Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. And that I'm going to love others as I love myself. It's interesting that we often hear in our culture, you can't love others till you love yourself, or you can't love others until you love yourself more. That's never what you find in Scripture. The Bible would suggest we don't love others because we're too busy loving ourselves. And that what we need to do is learn to put others first. In part two of Pastor Sam's message, The Cross, we're looking at the final four verses of Matthew 16, starting in verse 24. Understanding what it means to deny ourselves and take up our cross is critical in the life of a Christian. But we must not just understand it, we have to learn how to do it. Jesus is telling us, if we desire to follow after him, to come after him, to be his disciples in essence, he says three things have to take place. He says in verse 24, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. To deny myself simply means that I am no longer on the throne of my own life. Now Jesus is ruling and reigning, not just philosophically, but in reality. It means I've given him the reins and the throne of my life. If we were driving along and the Lord came alongside and said, Man, I love you, Sam, and I died for you, and I want you to have life eternal and life abundant. And I said, Lord, all right, I give you my life. He'd say, Okay, move over. And I go, What are you talking? Hey, I want to drive. And that's truly what the Lord does. When we give him our life, he takes the wheel and he begins to drive. Why? He knows where he's taking us, you see. And I find for me personally, maybe for you, certainly for me, from time to time, I like to get back behind the wheel. I like to just control my life for a few hours. And he's like, it wasn't going so good when you did it before, was it? And I'm like, well, no, but I'm a lot smarter now. And he's like, no, you're not. You, you're only doing better because I'm driving, but I'm right here so close to that steering wheel. Yes, but let me drive and we'll get where we're going and we'll get there a lot safer and, and a lot quicker. Well, in any case, to, to let him rule, to let him reign, it means I've got to first deny myself. Now, if I'm denying myself, that means I actually can obey some of his commandments. Like, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. It's fundamental to what it means to be a Christian, that we love him with all that's in us. And here's what I've learned in the years of walking with and growing in the Lord, is that, that all that he desires from me, well, I was already doing it. I just wasn't doing it to him or as unto him. I've always loved with all that's in me. The problem was I loved me with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. And my neighbor, well, maybe, but not before me. And he's saying, no, for him to rule and reign, for me to follow, for me to, 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 to go his way, I have to first deny myself. That means I'm going to love him now with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my strength, with all that's in me, heart and mind and soul and strength, and that I'm going to love others 
as I love myself. It's interesting that we often hear in our culture, you can't love others till you love yourself, or you can't love others until you love yourself more. That's never what you find in Scripture. The Bible would suggest we don't love others because we're too busy loving ourselves. And that what we need to do is learn to put others first. Why? That's what Jesus did, you see. He says, here's step one in a three-part step or three-part program or whatever you want to call it. If you prefer a program, hey, have a program. But it's deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. What does it mean to take up my cross? Well, we have to look at it first contextually. What did it mean to them? You got to know that they were baffled by this statement because in their day, the cross only had one meaning. It was the means of a torturous, horrendous, shameful, painful death. Nobody thinking of the cross would have any thoughts like we have because, well, they didn't have crosses on steeples and they didn't have crosses on little chains around people's neck. No, the cross was a means of execution and it was a means of executing the worst criminals of the day. And so when Jesus says you need to take up your cross, they had to think, well, I wonder what he means by that. What do you think he's getting at? You know what he meant by it? Literally, some of them were going to have to take up their cross and follow him. Peter himself, who suggested no cross for you, wasn't about to say, well, no cross for me, because he really didn't believe Jesus was telling him he was going to have to go to the cross. But tradition tells us that Peter did, in fact, die on a cross, that he was crucified. So if for at least Peter and a couple of these disciples, Jesus was speaking absolutely literally. Now, he wasn't telling all of them, though, you're all going to have to die on a cross. He's saying you're going to have to deny yourself and take up your cross. Now, what was the purpose of the cross? Well, for Rome... As I already mentioned, it was a means of execution, but it was also a perfect picture of submission. That's why they had the criminals carry their own crosses. It was a sign to those prior to being crucified publicly and shamefully. It was a sign that they were now submitted to the government they had rebelled against. And if you rebelled against Rome, they said, you're going to carry that cross and then you're going to be crucified on that cross. And when you bore the cross and you were nailed to it, you were showing your submission now to those that you had rebelled against. So Jesus says, hey, take up your cross. It's a sign of your submission, a sign of your willingness to die to self and live for him, to die to self and live for others. And it's a perfect picture of both. Now, Paul will later say, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Paul will say, I die daily. He fully got this. He was willing to die if necessary. In fact, looking forward to it, I believe. He says at one point, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, only a Christian can say that. For if to live is anything but Christ for you, well, die will not be gain. It will be loss of all you have, all you've done. But listen, if you're a Christian and you're living for Christ Jesus, 
When you die, you're going to be with Jesus. And as we read and will read again at the end of our chapter, he says there'll be rewards. The ultimate evidence of his grace. He says, look at you can't do anything without me. And we're like, well, give us a chance. And like, you've been trying. Let me work through you. And, and he says, he's the vine. We're the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. So then we submit to him and he begins to use us and, and bless us. And, and then in the end, he rewards us as if, hey, that was good job. Well done, you know. But it was him working in us and through us to accomplish his good pleasure. So, Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's not just identifying with Jesus and on the cross, but living as he did, laying down our life practically for the needs of others. That's why we have to deny ourselves first. If I'm about my ambitions and my goals and my desires and my plans, and, and the Lord says, well, what about my desires and my ambitions and my goals and my plans? They're so much better for you, and it's, they're better for others. Yeah, but Lord, i got to accomplish this, and this means something. Does it? I, I, I'm not saying we shouldn't be about the business we're about. We're supposed to work, supposed to provide, supposed to care. We're supposed to work and provide so we have enough to help people who are more needy than we are. But in the midst of that, we got to be asking that question, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to accomplish? Well, this whole idea of denying self, it doesn't come natural. I think you know that. It's not natural to me. It won't be natural to you. To deny yourself is a supernatural response to a command of God. He says, do it, and you're like, well, there's nothing in me that cries yes, you know. My flesh doesn't say, yeah, denial, let's go, you know. No, my flesh says, what? No way. And that's the great problem is, is I struggle on three fronts when I, I hear him say, deny yourself or take up your cross. Follow me. My flesh recoils against the idea of denying myself. Temptation, it's a real problem. The enemy comes and says, man, you don't have to deny yourself. You don't have to be a fanatic. You believe in Jesus. You've trusted in him. You're a Christian. You're going to heaven. And the Lord's saying, yeah, but, but it's not about you any more than is it? It's about others. That's why we got to love him and love others because we are going to heaven. We're not denying ourselves and taking up our cross so we can get to heaven. It's so that others can get there. See, Jesus bore his cross for others, for us. And when we bear our cross, it's not like, well, this is my cross to bear. No, we're bearing it for others. It's whatever he's leading us in and, and guiding us in and directing us in. So my flesh has a problem with it, and the enemy suggests it's absolutely unnecessary and then there's the world. You know, the world mocks the cross. And even though it is on all the steeples and lots of people wear it, I see a lot of people wearing it and I hear things coming out of their mouths and I watch a couple of word shows and I'm like, man, I don't think they really get the meaning of the cross. But here's the thing. Paul tells us why. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, he says. But to us who are being saved, hey, it's the power of God to salvation. It's a part of that wonderful gospel. Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. And so if for you, maybe the cross, you hear about it and you're like, I've heard it, I've heard it, I've heard it, the cross, the cross, the cross. Listen, 
It doesn't matter how many times you've heard it. It only matters if you believe it. And it really matters if you believe it. And here's why. In the first century, when the disciples began to preach, hey, our Lord, our Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, he died on the cross for you. Some would have found that an absurdity. They would have laughed and mocked at the idea. And that's why he says the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But we really can't get in their skin and understand how they felt and why they were mocking without just updating the whole thing. And I owe all this to Gail Irwin who first suggested to us that if today our Lord had come and died, he wouldn't have died on a cross, would he? No, he would have died, say, in the electric chair and would have changed everything because then we'd go about saying, hey, my best friend just died for you in the electric chair. And if you'll deny yourself and take up your electric chair and follow him, well, yeah, you know why you, you chuckle? Because it sounds absurd. It sounds funny. Well, how, how could anybody dying in an electric chair atone for my sin? How can that make any difference in my situation? Well, it makes a difference because that's what he came to do. And that's what the Bible says he did, in fact. There are other things that would have changed and would for sure be different. We'd, we wouldn't be wearing little crosses or having them on steeples. Everyone have little electric chairs around chains and church steeples that have electric chairs on them. We'd sing songs like, at the electric chair, at the electric chair, where I first saw the light. <laughs> but again, the reason that's funny to us is because... We have so sanitized the cross and we're so far from the reality of the cross that when Jesus told his disciples, deny yourself, take up your cross, I don't believe one person in that room took him literally. And yet he was speaking to some of them literally and to all of them practically. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and then follow me. What does it mean to follow him? Well, it really just means two things. It means to obey him, first of all. He asked an interesting question at one point. Why say, Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? It's worth considering. I mean, if you have a boss and you call him boss, maybe you call him by his proper name, or Mr. Smith, but maybe he's just your boss and you call him boss. Well, if he tells you what to do and you call him boss and you don't do what he says, you can call him boss as long as you want, but I guarantee you he won't keep paying you for long. And we have a lot of people calling Jesus Lord, and they have high expectations of a future with him, but they're not doing what he says. Now, am I saying they're not Christians? No, I'm not in a position to know. But I can see when I'm disobeying, and it's easy to see when you're disobeying, and so he's saying, why say, Lord, Lord? Why utter those words if you're not going to do what I say? And then he tells us, if we love him, keep his commandments. I love that. Because he says, here's the motivation. Not fear, not, not worry of punishment or well, what's God going to do if I don't. He says, it's motivated by love. And we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. And now we're just responding. We're loving him in response to the love he's demonstrated toward us. So Jesus is saying, if this is your desire, and I know it is, you want to follow him, deny yourself, 
Take up your cross. Follow him. For whoever desires, verse 25, to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, contextually, again, this makes a lot of sense. You should know that in the first century, lots of Christians were nailed to crosses. Lots of Christians were thrown to the lions. Lots of Christians were burned at the stake. But many of them had an opportunity to escape that judgment. Caesar was demanding that all say Caesar is Lord. Christians wouldn't say it. And they were saying, hey, you're going to die unless you say Jesus isn't and Caesar is. And they're like, then put me to death. We're going to kill you unless you stop saying Jesus is Lord. Well, Jesus is the Lord and I won't stop saying Jesus is Lord. See, I wonder, I wonder if we're made of the same stuff they were. Because he's saying if you save your life or you desire to save it, you'll lose it. And for them personally, contextually, this was, this was going to happen practically. They were going to have a chance, many of them, to recant their faith and say, well, I'm not real. No, okay, he's not Lord. Caesar's Lord, Caesar's Lord. But real Christians wouldn't say it. They'd go to the death refusing to. And so for us, well, I don't think Caesar's going to come around and make us say he's Lord. But he's saying if you desire to save your life, to live your own life, to do your own thing, to protect yourself from whatever consequences come of confirming and affirming Jesus, he says, listen, if you lose your life for my sake, you'll gain it. Why? Because it's just physical and temporal, this life, but we have the free gift of everlasting life. And if it's for him and for his sake and for the kingdom and the gospel, well... He says, we can't lose what we readily and willingly give away. What is a man profited? Verse 26. He asked a very important question, a couple of them, but this first one. What is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Let me suggest before I tell you the obvious answer. No one is going to do the first. No one can gain the whole world. The richest man in the world only has a little bit of the world's wealth. A whole lot more than all us put together, but a little bit of the wealth of the world. And he's saying, if you could have it all, and no one can, what would it profit you to have it all if you lost your own soul? Listen, the answer to that, if you're not already there, it wouldn't profit you at all. Why? Because that stuff's temporal and you're created for eternity. That stuff's temporal, but you're going to live eternally. And you've got to know you're going to either live with the Lord or separated from the Lord. And so if you're in it for profit, if you're in it for what you can gain, if you're in it for the temporal things of this world, and then you lose your soul, he's saying there is no profit in that. And I'll tell you, whatever we experience in this life, good or bad, in comparison to eternity, hey, eternity, there's no way to describe it. It's forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And we could just go on until we all were exhausted and it would still be lots of more evers out there. And so what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I think there are two answers to this. I think if you realized that you were going to lose your soul, you would give everything. Hey, people do it for their health, and that's temporal. Somebody finds out they've got cancer, they would spend every cent they had to survive, and that's physical and temporal. 
And he's saying when you realize you have a soul that's eternal and you're going to live eternally, what would you give in exchange for it? I think the answer to that is men would give anything, but here's the problem. We don't have anything to give. We can't, there is nothing with which we can buy what God freely gives us, salvation. Wages of sin, death, gift of God, everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he comes to sort of the the highlight and crux of all this in verse 27. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, then he will reward each one according to his works. You see, you got to know at this point his disciples' heads were spinning. He's talking about the cross and he's talking about him dying and he's talking about them denying self and, and they're saying, yeah, but what about the kingdom? I thought we were going to rule and reign. Yet You said, when you came into your kingdom, we were going to sit on thrones. How's that all going to come down? And they couldn't put together how he could suffer and die and still rule and reign. Well, that's easy for us. We do it in retrospect. We know, looking back, he came the first time to suffer and die for our sins, next time to rule and reign. That's easy for us, but not for them. They couldn't see that the valley between. They only saw the mountain peaks of... Well, they couldn't put it together. That's just all there is to it. So, so he tells them not only would he die, but they would die. And not only would they die, but, well... He would come again and he'd come in glory and he'd come with his angels and he would reward them according to their works. I mentioned the grace of God earlier. This is the ultimate. I mean, we're saved by grace. That, that's, you know, we don't need more than that. We don't even deserve that or it wouldn't be grace. But, but God is going to reward us as if we really accomplished something for him. And the truth is, if any good thing happens in and through my life or your lives, it's him at work in us and him at work through us. And and he deserves all the glory when we stand before him. And we've been worshiping, and I, I so appreciate and love the worship set. So much focus on him and who he is and what he's done today. But what we've been worshiping him, and, and the bottom line is we'll stand before him and cast our crowns at his feet, singing, Thou art worthy. You're worthy, Lord. But, but the thing is, is, is he's going to reward us. And we're going to say, no one's going to be in heaven saying, what? He got more than me. You know, this is, this is all I have? Because we don't deserve any of it. We're going to be saying, what's this for, Lord? He said, remember that cup of water you gave to that thirsty person in my name? Remember that time? And we're like, no, I don't even remember that, Lord. No, nevertheless, that was me at work and you were yielded. And, and here it is. So, Deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow him. It, it may lead to death, it may not, but it will lead, lead to laying down our life, living for him, living for others. But then the glorious promise of rewards and then ultimately he said, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. We'll talk about that next time. It bridges us into the next chapter. But, but, but here's the thing today. I know most of you, you've given your life to the Lord Jesus. You, you know that you're saved. You know you're born again. And, and all of this talk about denying yourself and taking up your cross and following him, well, it might leave you spinning just a little too. Well, I thought this was all a gift. I thought this was just his thing. Yeah, it is. But now he's saying, if you want to come after him, if you want to follow after him, well, 
two things. First, we got to obey him. The second is we follow his example. In all that he did, he went to the cross to please and, and honor the Father. He went to the cross to suffer and die for our sins. So when we deny ourselves, we take up our cross, we follow him. Well, we do it to please the Father and to obey the Son, and, and we do it to bless others. He bore his cross for us. We bear our crosses for others. I think of what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, 7. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, yet count them all as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Now, I imagine if I was to sit down with Paul and discuss all of the things in my life that I have worked for and have valued, he'd have a hard time being interested in any of them, really. Only the things done for the kingdom through the power of the Spirit have any real lasting value. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.